Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. The Midianite trader grabbed Joseph's head, maybe pushed it down against a board, or, or maybe held his hair back as he took his knife and began to just cut the hair off. In Egypt, they liked their men completely bald. And secondly, if you're a slave, it would be good to know if there's any lice in your hair or anything nasty. So, hey, generally, all that lice has to come off. All that hair has to come out of your scalp completely bald. And then whatever beard he had, completely shaved because they had to make Joseph look like he was worth it. That this would be an expensive slave and worth buying. And I wonder if Joseph looked at his captors who had taken him from his home and wondered, God, where are you? What is happening? I mean, Joseph has been pulled all the way from Jacob, his father. And I wonder if he's thinking about his little brother, Benjamin, and how much he loved him and he misses him. And I wonder if he starts to get angry towards his brothers, his brothers, his rotten brothers, the 10 who sold him into slavery. And here he is miles away down south in Egypt, miles away from the promised land being abused and mistreated and what if Joseph fell to his knees and began to cry and the Midianite merchant said, Hey, you, get up! And they dragged him forward to the thronging crowd, the slave market. Joseph, who was the favorite son of one of the richest men in all of Mesopotamia, one of the richest men in all of the Canaanite region, now he's nothing better than a slave about to be sold. I wonder if he thought to himself, Yahweh, where are you? Where are you, God? Yahweh, where are you? And with that, I wonder if Joseph began to cry. You know, if you've ever wondered, hey, where are you, God? When I look at my life and I look at the things that are happening, I wonder, God, where are you? Show up. Maybe you're going through some hard times right now, financially, spiritually. Things feel dark and bleak, and you wonder, where is God? And you'd love God to just show up in profound ways, you know? You'd like him to, to all of a sudden do a miracle in your presence, something to show that God is here. I just want to encourage you, the story of Joseph is all about God showing up, but not in ways that you can visibly see him. 
Throughout the book of Genesis, Genesis 1, all the way, I would say, even through the Genesis, the beginning story of Joseph, God does show up. He shows up in dreams. He shows up as a theophany. He shows up in human form. He shows up and does miracle after miracle. But once we hit the story of Joseph, we begin to see God working in different ways. We begin instead to see God working behind the scenes working providentially to accomplish what Romans 8.28 says, right? To accomplish all things for our good to them who love him. If you know the Lord is your personal Savior, if you've asked him to save you, you can say with Joseph that the Lord is there. The Lord is working on my behalf, and I can trust in that no matter what. Even though I don't see him, I know the Lord is working behind the scenes, for my good. And that's what we see here with the story of Joseph. So last time we left him, right, Joseph is being hauled down into Egypt. And Joseph is far away from his family. Here, in Genesis chapter 39, we meet Joseph as he's about to be sold into slavery. Again, he was one of the richest men in all of Canaanite's favorite son. He had dream after dream about how his brothers were going to bow down to him. And here he is at the lowest of the low, about to be sold into slavery. Where is Yahweh? The Ishmaelites had brought him down. But notice what it says in verse 2. And then later on, it says in verse 3, it says, the Lord was with Joseph. Later on in verse 3, it says, the Lord caused. Yahweh is working on behalf of Joseph in ways that he can't understand, but he just trusts. But in that moment, in that rough slave market where he's being pushed to and fro, and then I wonder, he's shoved onto the stage where people inspect him. Maybe they come up to him and look at his teeth. I mean, it's humiliating. His arms bound. They check him over. Remember, his brother sold him into slavery for 20 shekels of silver. And I wonder if that Ishmaelite, or it's also called Midianite merchants, are thinking, I want more than 20 shekels. I don't want to just break even. In fact, this guy's a strapping young boy. I bet we can make more than that for him. And so the bidding starts. And that crowd, it's a man who looks over. Something strikes him about this slave. I wonder if this guy would be worth throwing some money into. And he starts to bid. And he starts to add money. Now, this guy works for Potiphar. And the Bible says in Genesis 39, Potiphar was the captain of the guard to Pharaoh. Now, what that means is Potiphar is a very powerful and wealthy man in Egypt. Essentially, he is like a four-star general. Later on in one of the other books of the Old Testament, it talks about the captain of the guard coming in and ransacking Jerusalem under Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, you are in a high position of influence, a high position of power when you are captain of the guard. And here this guy is bidding for his master who is Potiphar. And Potiphar's master is Pharaoh himself. I mean, essentially, Potiphar is the right-hand man to the Pharaoh himself. He is a powerful, rich man. 
And as the bidding increases, he keeps bidding and he keeps bidding. And finally, this intriguing slave from Canaan is his. It looks different. There's something special about him, I wonder if he thinks. So finally, done! Joseph is sold into slavery. Joseph is hauled off again with his hands tied and, you know, hey, come on, slave, and they get moving and maybe they tie him behind a camel again or maybe they shove him ahead. Either way, I do know this, they're going to treat him like nothing better than a dog. And as they get closer, he maybe asks the other slaves, hey, where are we going and who are we working for? They go, we're working for a guy named Potiphar. Potter who? Potiphar. Potiphar. Oh, Potiphar. Joseph thinks, who in the world is Potiphar? But like I said, he doesn't know that Potiphar is one of the wealthiest, most influential people in all of Egypt, and Joseph is about to become a slave in his household. Do you think that was just luck? Do you think that was just sheer chance? No. It says in verse 2, The Lord was with Joseph, and the Lord took care of him. And so here he is. He's brought into the household of Potiphar. And I wonder as he approaches the estate, it was probably a big estate. Maybe he's like, wow, this guy has lots of money. And he's beginning to realize, hey, I am not in just some nobody's household. This person's got influence. And I wonder if Potiphar comes up to him. Again, the seasoned veteran of probably many battles and comes up to him. Again, the seasoned veteran of probably many battles and looks him all over, his new slaves, and he's like, all right, let's get him working. And I wonder if as a slave you start in the lowest of the low. You know, they give you the worst job possible. And I can imagine, here comes Joseph. All right, you go over there and see those flea-infested, fly-infested, nasty outhouses. You got to clean those, Joseph from Canaanites, you know, Joseph from Canaan land. You got to go clean those. And so he goes over there. He creaks open the door. And he looks in it. Oh, maybe stunk. Ugh. Now, it doesn't say again what Joseph did. Maybe he had to go over and clean out the stalls of the horses and the cattle. But I'm sure they gave him the worst job possible. And to me, that would be cleaning some outhouses. But remember, I said... Joseph did what was right regardless of the circumstances. And you can say that Joseph was a person, a character, because he continually did what was right. If I was Joseph, I'd get all mad. I'd be like, I can't believe I'm stuck here. Where are you, God? I'm far away from home. I hate my brothers. And if I'm cleaning the outhouses, I'd be like, all right, I'd take my little bucket and my scrub and my Egyptian version of Lysol, and I'd go over there and I'd just do it a little bit. And okay, it's done. Maybe knock it over. Maybe smear some poop around the top of the lid, make it worse. You know, and I'd probably get in trouble with my master because of my bad attitude, but not Joseph. I think when Joseph, when you see the rest of his life, he did what was right. And I think Joseph got busy doing what God gave him to do. Hey, 
this time in my life, I got to clean this toilet. Well, guess what? I'm going to be the best toilet bowl cleaner I can be. Hey, I've got to clean out these stalls with these nasty horses. Well, I am going to be the best stall cleaner I can be. And whatever job they gave him, I think Joseph worked hard. He did his best. But more importantly than all of that is, in, again, in verse 2, it says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. In verse 3, it says, His master saw that the Lord was with him. And then again, it says this, also in verse 3, the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in Joseph's hand. So when he cleaned those toilet bowls, man, they gleamed and his toilet was the best. Wow, this is a wonderful toilet, Joseph. You know, when he cleaned the horse stalls, they were the best and the horses were the happiest there. Again, God working behind the scenes to make sure that Potiphar saw and Potiphar's right-hand man saw whatever Joseph did succeeded. And they were like, hey, he's pretty good at those outhouses. He's pretty good at those horse stalls. Let's give him another job. And then they gave him another job. And again, whatever he did began to succeed. Partly because I think Joseph was a man of character and he worked hard. But why? Because it says the Lord, Yahweh, caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So as he became more successful and more successful, Potiphar began to give him more and more and more jobs. So he began to say, hey, I want you in charge of the slaves that take care of all the outhouses. And eventually they were super successful. They all right. Hey, Joseph, I want you to be in charge of all my cattle. All right. Whenever he was put in charge of anything, he worked hard and the Lord worked on his behalf and caused all things to be awesome. And so the cattle was the best. The goats were the best, the best goat milk, the best cheese, whatever it happened to be. And they saw whatever he does just prosper. So let's put him in charge of the wheat. Let's put him in charge of the harvest. And eventually it says, verse 4, that he made him overseer of his house. And here's the key. And put him in charge of all that he had. Whatever Joseph touches turns to gold Potiphar sees. So guess what? I'm going to put you in charge of all that I have. You're going to be over all my finances. You're going to be over all my fields and crops. You're going to be over every day-to-day -day activity of my house. You're going to be in charge of it all. And there it says in verse 5, From the time that he made him overseer in his house, the Lord blessed Potiphar for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had. And so he left it. It repeats it again and again. He left everything in Joseph's charge. And he didn't even worry about it. You know, he would go off to battle, come back, and wow, my property's even better looking. He'd go off and hang out with the Pharaoh and come back, and all his finances had doubled. The blessing of the Lord was upon him. Why? Because of Joseph. Now remember, we talked about Abraham, right? God said to Abraham, I want you to be a blessing, so I'm going to bless you. And wherever you go, because I bless you, be a blessing. 
Well, here we see that playing out. Joseph is in the land of the Egyptians, and God is blessing Joseph. And by God blessing Joseph, Joseph ends up blessing those around him. He's blessing Joseph, so be a blessing. I think that's true for us Christians today. You know, if God is blessing you, which he is, he blessed you by saving you. He blessed you by giving you eternal life, right? You are blessed, so guess what? Work hard where you're at. Be the happiest guy at work. The Bible talks about doing your work heartily to the Lord. And when he blesses you at work, guess what? Your employer is blessed, and then your family is blessed. God has blessed you. So be a blessing at school, at work, wherever you're at. Man, being a Christian amongst the world, people should look at you and go, I am thankful you're here because you are such a blessing. You are a joy to be around. And I think that's the way it was with Joseph. I don't think people hated working for him because, again, it was all fantastic. I don't think people hated being on the same team with him. You know, if they played basketball or soccer during the break, hey, I wanted to be on Joseph's team. God blesses him. Therefore, he's going to bless those around him. But then, in verse 6, it says, Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. What that means is Joseph was extremely good looking. Tall, broad shoulders, you know. Wow, his eyes match up. Maybe beautiful blue eyes, nice nose, chin. He was a handsome dude to look at. But the sad part is, somebody else noticed. <gasps> wow, Joseph is good looking. Hmm, I like what I see. That person was Potiphar's wife. It says in verse 7, After a time, his master's wife began to look at him. It says she cast her eyes longingly on Joseph. Now, it looks like Joseph worked for Potiphar for 11 years. Now, we don't know when Mrs. Potiphar, let's call her Angela, decides to all of a sudden, hey, Joseph's good looking. Maybe it took him a while to work through. Maybe maybe it wasn't until the 10th year when Angela, Mrs. Potiphar, finally sees Joseph and says, wow, I want him. I want him to be mine. Now, remember... Mrs. Potiphar is married to Potiphar. She is somebody else's wife. She should only have eyes for her husband. But it was common practice back then for people in power to look at their slaves and if they found them attractive, to want to have a relationship with them. But that's called adultery, and the Bible says that's wrong, and that's a sin. But these people don't have the Bible. They're just acting out the way, hey, every other person down the road, they sleep with their slaves. And eventually, in verse 7, she comes to Joseph and says, lie with me. Lie with me. Well, it sounds all nice, but I guess in the Hebrew, it's basically two words that are very emphatic. And essentially, it says this in the Hebrew, hey, Joseph, me, sex, now, 
Let's do this. And over and over and over again, Mrs. Potiphar asks for, hey, Joseph, me, sex, now, let's do this, come on. And it's very emphatic in the original language, and Joseph had to deal with this every single day. This woman constantly demanding to have sex with her, and he says no. He says no and no and no, and in verse 8 it says he refused it. Mrs. Potiphar, no, stop it. I can't do that. I can imagine she maybe grabs him by his clothes and whispers sweet nothings in his ears. He finally says, hey, you've been trying to attract me. I am going to tell you, Mrs. Potiphar, no, I cannot do this. It says in verse 8, I can't do this. My master has given everything in my charge. He says, I'm basically second in command. He's kept back nothing from me except for one thing, Mrs. Potiphar. And that's you. You are his wife. Then he says something really interesting. He says this. How then can I do this great wickedness? Adultery is a sin. This is wrong. And Joseph knew that. And he says, how can I do this great wickedness? And then he says, and sin against God. I find that very interesting. He says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? I can't do this, Mrs. Potiphar, because not only is it a sin against you, not only is it a sin against Mr. Potiphar, no. Ultimately, I can't choose to do this because it's sin against Almighty God. It's interesting. Joseph was far away from his home, right? Far away from the worship of Yahweh, you know, far away from any sense of God in his life. And he was probably expected to sleep with Mrs. Potiphar. All the other slaves said, hey, why don't you do it? You could get some power that way. You could get some influence. Do it. But Joseph, he chose to do what was right. He ignored her advances. Why? Because even though his parents aren't there, even though he's encouraged to do it, remember, Joseph does what is right regardless of the circumstances. He does what is right. Man, I wish that could be said of me and you. You know, what do you like when nobody will know if you do a sin? Nobody will know if you cheat a little or if you go to that bad website. Would you do it? Well, with Joseph, he says, no, I could do this and everybody would cheer me on except for Mr. Potiphar. He says, I am not going to sin against God. Why? Because I love him. And we have got to start thinking that way. When I sin, I break the heart of God. When I sin and break his commandments, I sin not only against myself, but against almighty God. And so Joseph chooses Yahweh and righteousness. But guess what? Mrs. Potiphar, I'm calling her Angela, she does not give up. Verse 10, she spoke to Joseph day after day after day. And like I said, it was emphatic, right? Hey, lie with me now. 
me sex now over and over and over again day after day after day but joseph he remained true to yahweh mrs potiphar she got angrier and more manipulative and chased him until she finally says i'm gonna come up with a plan i know what i'm gonna do I, i'm gonna call joseph to my big house but i'm gonna make all the servants leave so it's just me and joseph and i'll seduce him and that'll work great mrs potiphar says hey come up here could you please joseph things aren't working right i need you to fix the toilet or the sink or whatever so and only maybe joseph's allowed in the chambers of potiphar his master so up goes joseph totally unaware of what's gonna happen he's just thinking hey i've got to do my job and do what's right and then when he gets in there maybe he's down there fixing the toilet bowl maybe up there working on the faucets or whatever it happens to be when all of a sudden in walks mrs potiphar he looks at her and she smiles at him and he tries to get out of the way and she maybe gets him into a corner It says there in verse 12 that she caught him by his garment and says one more time, Joseph, me, sex, now let's do this. Talk about temptation, right? Sometimes when you are going through the normal course of your day, I want to say temptation is like Mrs. Potiphar. It shows up suddenly. It shows up unannounced. You've done your best to protect your mind and your heart and everything. You've done everything you can, but sin shows up and it knocks on your door and it grabs you by the metaphorical collar and says, hey, let's sin now. And you know what many of our choices are at that point? We're like, hey, I can't resist that temptation. It's too strong. I've got to give in. But not Joseph. And Joseph, again, he does what is right. And he shows us today, when you're in those situations, when you're smack dab in one of the greatest temptations of your life, you know what Joseph shows to do? Run get out of there he ran he got out of there as fast as he could notice what it says in verse 12 he left his garment and fled out of the house she grabbed him by the garment he's like i am out of here and he probably had an outer coat on which he wiggled out of and he got out of there and she's holding the garment and she's like what i had him in the corner had the garment how did he get out and he's running away We've got to do that. When we face temptation, it's too strong for us. If, say, you're all of a sudden surfing on the internet and you come to some bad website, man, it is awfully tempting. Run. Get out of there. If you're all of a sudden around friends that you didn't expect to be around and all of a sudden this sin comes up and, hey, everybody's passing the cigarette around. Everybody's passing the drink around. Should I drink it? It's right there. Do it run get out of there if you're at work if you're at wherever it happens to be we follow joseph's example who in the middle of his greatest temptation he ran 
It says there in verse 13, she had the garment. She saw that Joseph had fled. She was furious. She knew she would never have this handsome Joseph. And now she realizes how humiliated she is. So it says in verse 14, she calls the men of her household. And she goes, look. She frames Joseph and says, look at this garment. That Hebrew, first time that name is dropped. She's calling him out ethnically. She's not even saying, hey, that slave. She's saying, that Hebrew, it's a derogatory term. That Hebrew. See, Potiphar brought this Hebrew among us to laugh at us, she says. He came in to lie with me. And I cried out with a loud voice. And then when I screamed, he ran. And look, here's proof that he was here. Look at his coat. Verse 16, she laid up his garment and showed it to her master. When Mr. Potiphar finally came home, she pulls out his coat and says that Hebrew servant again. She's throwing that ethnic derogatory term in her mind. He's not an Egyptian. That nasty evil Hebrew that you brought. Look, he came in to laugh at me. And look at this garment. He fled out of the house, but I grabbed it. This is proof that, that, that he tried to sleep with me. I did nothing wrong. And maybe she fell on the couch crying. And Joseph chose to do what was right. He ran. But he's the one who ends up getting in trouble. Because when Potiphar finds out and hears the story of his wife... His anger was kindled. He got mad. But it's not so much anger at Joseph. Many people believe the way this verse is phrased. He's mad at his wife. We had this awesome servant who you could tell his God was with him and we were blessed and now you... Mrs. Potiphar, you have messed everything up. And many people think he was actually angry at his wife. He had this great servant, blessing upon blessing, and you've just ruined everything because this is probably not the first affair she's had. He's probably heard about her affairs over and over and over again. And another reason that they think that is because under Egyptian law, Joseph should have been killed right there. I think Mr. Potiphar, he knew what his wife was about. And he looked at Joseph and knew his character, knew that wasn't who he was. But he's the head of the household and he can't be embarrassed and he's got to believe his wife. So I wonder if he looked at Joseph. Maybe shook his head. And then said, get out of here. I am going to send you to the prison. I'm going to send you, says, to the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And back then, they weren't nice places. They were basically holes in the ground with a guard to take care of you, a little bit of food thrown your way, but they were rat-infested, nasty, dirty, horrible places. Joseph 
is hauled off again. After 11 years of working for his master and blessing Potiphar and blessing him again and again, and then for doing right and running away from the advances of Mrs. Potiphar, what does he get for doing all that? He gets thrown in the nastiest prison in the world. God, where are you? What's happening? Joseph is hauled away. When you were put in prison back then, you were pretty much forgotten. It's over. And Joseph's thrown in. The door is slammed. The key is thrown away. And Joseph, is he going to be here the rest of his life? Is that it for Joseph? After doing what is right, is this it? This is the end of the story? Well, if you come back next week, we're going to find out what happens to Joseph next. But I just want to encourage you, you know, sometimes when you stand up for righteousness and you do what is right, the world's not always going to understand. And you may be called names and you may be mistreated. Maybe you say, hey, I'm going to quit hanging out with these friends that drag me down and your friends start to badmouth you at school or at work. Or, you know, hey, I'm going to stop cheating on my taxes or stop fudging the numbers for my boss. And the boss fires you and you're like, hey, I like my job. Or, or maybe you're going to fight back against some sort of sexual harassment at work or the way people are treated at work or the language is used and you get called all sorts of names. But you know what you did was right just want to encourage you, just because things turn out bad, number one, it doesn't mean that what you did wasn't right. People hate being confronted with their sin, you know? But number two, when things don't turn out right and when things are bad, it doesn't mean that God's not working behind the scenes to accomplish his will in your life. Maybe, again, this is exactly what God wants for you in the middle of this horrible situation. Things are bad again. Maybe God is putting you exactly where he wants you, even though circumstances don't seem to make any sense and seem to point the other way. If you did what is right, and things end up bad, trust God. Trust God. Because remember, he is working all things together for good. But the key is to those who love him. And that's where I want to end. Do you love God? In particular, do you love his son, Jesus? Have you asked him to save you? If you have, then guess what? Isaiah 64, 4 says, No eye has seen nor ear has heard any God besides ours who works on behalf of those who wait for him. Man, we have an amazing God, and I would encourage you to ask him to save you today. Accept his son Jesus as your Savior. Baldhead Bible Podcast is created by Dr. John Katzian. Music composed and performed by Elijah Katzian. Edited by Lincoln Katzian. If you would like to listen to more Baldhead Bible Podcast, please subscribe. New episodes added every week.